And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by Tamina Debazorgi from Young Voices, uh, first-time guest. It was a great time talking to Tamina. I think you guys will really enjoy it. We covered a lot. Um, we talked about China, uh, their global ambitions, and what the Western world can do about it. We talked about uh, what we're seeing back here at home uh, with all the boycotts and the, the apparent... Uh, economic balkanization uh, that we're seeing and, and what we can do about all that. Uh, we covered a lot. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Um, before I get to Tamina, guys, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at Bulk Munitions. Ladies and gentlemen, do you need ammo? Uh, rhetorical question. Of course you do, because you can't find it anywhere. Man, I was at my local gun shop the other day, and they limit uh, they limit everybody to one box of nine and two boxes of shotgun shells per day. That is just, to, to, to quote the Democrats, that's basically Jim Crow, okay? kidding but anyway uh, bulk munitions has you covered whatever you're looking for they have it in stock where you're looking for 223 or 556 9 millimeter 12 gauge 22 uh, 40 45 357 380 whatever you need they have in stock ready to ship fast uh, all orders ship within two business days no back orders um and, and these guys are awesome man i love working with companies that share our values and bulk munitions uh they donate 10 percent of their profits to christian-based and second amendment friendly organizations they call it the ammo tithe which i love uh, um, and all of, if all of that isn't great enough, guys, they are giving this audience a limited time offer. The first 25 of you to use the promo code TNGP21 uh, will receive a free Blackhawk magazine case, either a soft-sided case for pistol mags or a hard-sided case for AR-15 mags. You get that absolutely free with the promo code TNGP21 on all orders over $100. Excuse me. Uh, you can see uh, that special offer right now at bulkmunitions.com slash TNGP. That is bulkmunitions.com slash TNGP. Make sure to use the promo code TNGP21 to get that free Blackhawk magazine case on the house. And guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. If you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, the great. Tamina Debezorgi. All right, guys, we're here with Young Voices contributor Tamina Debezorgi. Tamina, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much for having me today. So we have a ton to get to, as always. I only do two shows a week, so it's too much information to cram into, you know, a half hour or whatever. But before we get to the real news um, of the day... I, I, I want to hit you with this tweet from, from Kirsten Gillibrand, the junior senator from New York. You ready for this? This is yes. from Kirsten Gillibrand this morning. Quote, paid leave is infrastructure. Child care is infrastructure. Caregiving is infrastructure. Now, look, I'm a, I'm a big fan of words. I'm a musician and professional songwriter as well as a podcaster. So I'm a big fan of words and what they mean. And I'm kind of sad that words have no meaning anymore in, in this country. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree. And I feel like, you know, as someone who also is extremely meticulous about words as a journalist, uh, <laughs> I kind of appreciate her, uh, you know, her creativity of putting this like 
boring word infrastructure into such a <laughs> sentimental you know uh appealing to emotions type of thing so there you go yeah i think infrastructure to these people just means something they like just something good and then jim crow means something bad and like sh <laughs> showing an id to vote that's jim crow child care which is a good thing is infrastructure which is yeah. bizarre it's very bizarre choices by by the left i think Absolutely. As a, as a, you know, English is not my first language. Sometimes I wonder if they actually speak English because there are only a few words that they use, like people of color, infrastructure is like the new one or, you know, uh, racism and things like that. And I'm like, do you guys have a way to really make arguments about things aside from just using these words as a way to address certain arguments? I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah absolutely. One, one more piece of nonsense. And we will get to the, the important stuff in just a second. One more piece of nonsense I wanted to get to real quick. Anthony Fauci. Um, the world's greatest doctor, apparently, I've been told, uh, said yesterday that no one should ever shake hands ever again. So what do you think? Should we just refuse to acknowledge the humanity of our countrymen forever? I mean, I think shaking hands is just a, you know, social construct. I don't think it's a, like a real <laughs> component of any society. I mean, we Persians love to kiss each other on the cheeks. And sometimes people get confused. Should I give two kisses on each cheek or three kisses? And it always creates this awkwardness every time you go to like a party or something and you meet your like aunt. So, I mean, I would say I totally support that statement, especially really good news for introverts. They don't want to have that close connection with someone. So, yay, there you go. Dr. Fauci advocating for all the introverts in the world. Inadvertently, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so you wrote a piece for the Orange County Register about the dangers of China's uh, global ambitions uh, uh -oh. and, and what the West should do about it. And and I uh, I don't really have anything optimistic uh, to add on the topic. I think the cat's kind of out of the bag in, in a multitude of different ways um, right now. But talk us through China's goals uh, for the near future and, and kind of what we should do about it. Yeah, good question. And of course, I have personally been uh, reading about this for a long time, and it's been one of my areas of interest uh, academically. So, I mean, there are so many things we could do about China. However, the biggest problem that a lot of Western nations are facing currently is that for so long they have been underestimating or not even paying attention to what is going on with China. And over the years, by giving um, their government's more power, more leverage. We have kind of facilitated their race to become, you know, a global hegemon. And of course, in order for them to become a global hegemon, they have to challenge the United States because, so I mean, so far we are the biggest economy. We have the greatest military in the world. And another issue that I've faced uh, just talking to a lot of politicians and hearing a lot of commentary is that a lot of people are like, well, China, you know, they just want to trade with everyone. They, they don't really want to take over. You know, it's chill. It's cool. But that's not true in order for you uh, for any country to uh, create that infrastructure for global trade. They, of course, have to have a big military presence to, uh, of course, um, secure those um, trade interests. And I think China is doing a great job at expanding internationally. And I think people who claim otherwise are just either not really paying attention or they just want to keep their head in the sand. Yeah. Or they just, they're not willing to make the sacrifices necessary to combat this problem. I mean, to rein China in, it would take a coordinated boycott of Chinese goods from the, the majority of Western civilization. And that's just not... 
I, I just don't think that's happening. I mean, American corporations are in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. Companies like Disney and Coca-Cola lobbied Congress against sanctioning China. So it's like, it seems to me like these people have picked a side. I mean, they, they'll boycott Georgia because Georgia wants you to prove that you exist before voting. But they're fine with the literal genocide of the Uyghur Muslims. So it's like, it, it's not even about, obviously, we need policy changes from our government and from governments across the West. But we need policy changes from these corporations, from these major corporations, before anything's going to change. Absolutely. However, I think the step number one is to get governments to actually recognize this threat. Uh, and then, of course, with um, a more of a multilateral global acknowledgement of such threat, then we can move to the next step. However, we're stuck here that like a lot of leaders across the world have not even acknowledged the actual um, threat that China is posing to uh, human rights. And the fact that they want to expand globally is still a mystery. Or again, as I said, they just want to keep their head in the sand. Of course, you can make the argument that a lot of corporations are like lobbying or making these politicians to not recognize China as a global threat. However, it's true. And another thing that has really uh, angered me in the past couple months, just talking to a lot of fellow libertarians, is that, oh, well, it, this is warmongering, and of course China is not going to attack us. We are the biggest aggressor in the world, so we should just keep trading with them so we can make them a liberal country. Well, that's not going to happen. That's, n that's not how it works. No. Uh, there are... Uh, actual uh, geopolitical ramifications of having a challenging um, government that has authoritarian uh, values, especially with the case of China, we should pay attention to their history. Since they have been humiliated in the past because of opioid wars and all these things. So of course, they want to kind of make up for that lost credibility. And the way they can do it is by challenging U.S hegemony. And that includes, of course, destabilizing a lot of smaller countries, taking over a lot of smaller nations, actually making deals with our enemies. For example, they have just recently signed a deal with Iran, which, again, I don't think it's going to be good for even Iranian people. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an Iranian personally, and I'm really um, scared of this because I feel like China is just going to like colonize Iran's economy. And again, this is not the first time they're doing it. They're just using uh, this vacuum that we have created in some of the countries. Uh, diplomatically uh, to take advantage. Like the Iranian government is desperate for an ally. They have cheap oil. They have perfect uh, geopolitical situation that would really endanger our allies if China got their hands into their soil. And um, of course, they're going to take advantage of the um, alliance with Chinese government because, of course, Iran, Iranian government is our enemy and um, all those things. And they kind of share a lot of values with Chinese government. So here, here we are stuck in this situation. Yeah. And it just seems like, you know, obviously China doesn't have, in terms of just world governments, too many allies, you know, the Iranians and the Russians primarily. But I mean, the what what we do, and, and obviously we have alliances all over the world. And obviously Thomas Jefferson's rolling in his grave because, because of that. But um, like what they they've done that economically. I mean their allies are American corporations. I mean that's where their their, their alliance. That's where their tentacles are. They're in Major League Baseball and the NBA and Coca Cola and Disney and stuff like that. And they've and honestly that's more that's more effective in bringing down the United States than you know trying to peel off one of. Poland or, or France or something as an ally and get in working with them. Like it's much more destructive to our interests uh, to do what they've been doing for decades and, 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 you know, embedding themselves into the American economy. 
Yes, and I think you're absolutely right. I think the way they're doing it is beyond just borders and nations is actual like because I mean we're moving beyond just borders and nations. We're becoming more of a uh, as you mentioned like companies are now the new countries. They are the new allies that nations go and make deals with. And yes, I think you're absolutely right. They uh, have been doing this for years and we have been facilitating that process because we've been distracted by the cheap labor and cheap goods. And that has been extremely expensive for us in the other terms because yes, you're getting cheap goods. On the other hand, you're losing your intellectual property stolen by the Chinese espionage that you have put taxpayer money into it. So at the end of the day, you're losing like billions of dollars in taxpayer money that you have invested in your infrastructure and your (laughs) academia and your research that you want to benefit uh, American people and people across the world. And then the Chinese government and the spies just come and take it. And again, like I'm not just making this up. Just this is like actual fact that uh, the only administration that actually paid attention to was the Trump administration, which, you know, as I was reading all their memos, I was very shocked and at the same time very excited that someone finally is paying attention to what is actually happening. And I've talked to a lot of uh, university professors, a lot of PhD students, and they've all complained about it, especially in the STEM majors, that there has been many, many instances of um, intellectual property theft that we don't hear about in the news. It doesn't mean that it's not happening. Uh, So I think that's really scary, especially for taxpayers such as you and I, because we are paying for those grants that the government gives to universities to develop those researches. And just a couple weeks ago, right before we sat down with the Chinese uh, foreign um, leaders that um, that they have attacked our uh, Microsoft Exchange platforms and uh, a lot of the victims that were in that attack were small business owners and government agencies and schools and universities. They use the Exchange platform. And that's just one of the very, very basic examples of the cybersecurity uh, threats that they pose towards us. Again, like in the past, we've heard all about that they've been attacking our research centers to steal some of the uh, researches we've been doing on vaccine. And again, I think this is the new type of war. It's not about bullets. It's not about bombs. It's all about data and uh, technology and, of course, espionage from like it's like wait, whole new world of espionage that maybe a lot of our politicians are not even aware of how they work. I mean, remember some right. of the members of Congress don't even know how to use email. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's just like really alarming to me that are our policymakers really aware of what's happening? No, no, they're not. And if I have to, <laughs> if I have to watch one more uh, subcommittee hearing where they demonstrate their lack of knowledge on anything. I'm going to explode. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I just don't know, like, does the West have the stomach for the type of sanctions and boycotts necessary? I mean, like, sure, I... J- Japan and India do. They hate the Chinese. But does, do the West, <laughs> do, does the West have it? And, that's, and you're, you made a good point, too, earlier that, you know, some, li- some of our fellow libertarians, you know, they, they say if we want to sanction China, that's warmongering, stuff like that. That's not everything is warmongering. Like, we're not going to get into a shooting war with China. That would mean probably the end of the human race. So, like, that's not happening. Both sides understand that's not happening. And it's not warmongering to, to punish the Chinese for, you know, literal genocide. Uh, but, like, I, I, don't, I just don't know if the West has the stomach for it. I, I don't think the West has the stomach for something much less 
significant, much less uncomfortable than something like this. I don't know. I just don't have a lot of faith in, in Western leaders right now. Well, let me give you some good news then, because right. still, yeah, I mean, given all of the sad news that we we're just talking about, how U.S. is still way more powerful than any other government. And another thing is that when we are still like maintaining our power, I mean, I'm using like U.S. as an example, but any country that is the hegemon, when it's like way more powerful than any other countries, those countries will avoid conflict with them. It's like the deterrent force when you are more powerful. When conflict begins, when the smaller countries or those nations that are your enemies feel like they can actually be threatening to you and they can damage you. And that's why I'm I'm telling you we should like avoid giving carrots to our enemies. It's not it's not warmer. It's actually going to avoid we're going to be avoiding war if we're maintaining our hegemony. We're not going to get into more conflict. It's not in our interest. It's definitely not in their interest to you know mess with the big boy US. I mean, like it or not, it's just not how foreign policy works. Speaking of having a stomach, I mean we I mean, I don't know about the stomach, but I think we definitely have all the tools and all the excuses to make that shift and kind of like pull away from China and like make our investment, bring our companies to other places. I mean, look at South and Central America. They have skilled workers. They're looking for jobs. And of course, it's very like close to us. I mean, Central and South America are very rich in resources. And of course, if we instead of investing our resources and I mean, our companies in China and all these countries that literally want to get rid of us and they hate us, we can actually give them uh, invest them into South American and Central countries that, uh, you know, we can create jobs. It's even cheaper to transport a lot of products from there to the U.S. And I mean, that will solve a lot of, you know, border issues because a lot of people who want to come to the U.S. are looking for jobs. They're, they don't have those opportunities in their nations. And if we want to really solve that from the roots, we have to invest there. And I think that's a really good start to pay attention that where we're putting our money and why don't you like shoot two birds with one stone? Just Instead of investing in China, literally killing people, you can invest it in South and Central America with skilled workers that are not going to be as expensive as doing it here. And of course, that's going to like solve a lot of immigration issues, like especially in the South borders, because I mean, those people don't really want to come here. They, they are looking for opportunities and jobs. What if they actually had jobs in their countries and we could create them? And that's like perfectly libertarian argument. Like... Absolutely. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, obviously, that is the the best case scenario that's the best solution in my opinion i just you know you you look at joe biden the the administration floating the idea of of trying to pressure europe into uh and and other de developed countries into instituting what did he call it uh something really really creepy and dystopian uh, it was like the global standard minimum corporate tax rate or something I, have you have you looked into this no so i've never the, heard that the biden administration says they're going to try to pressure europe and our other allies into because Biden wants to raise our corporate tax rate again. Oh, yeah. 21% sure, yes. to 28%, which, of course, would just would make the United <laughs> States completely non competitive, you know, on the global scale. And so uh. to, to combat that, he wants to pressure and strong arm our allies into raising their corporate tax rates, too. And it's like, okay, China is laughing. <laughs> like, China, are you kidding me? Like, that is, that would just, that would, oh, man, that is the last thing. Uh, I mean, wow. We talk about reigning China in. That would be cataclysmic. We talk <laughs> about the, the, you know, people sending corporations in developing countries straight to China. You know, that would be more more countries across the world uh, trading with China and not trading with us. And it was just, I don't know. I, the Democrats don't seem to take the China threat seriously. Um, hopefully they, they, they wake up at some point, considering they control 
both houses of Congress and the White House, it would be nice if they if they took China seriously. I just don't see it right now as, as things stand. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I, I mean, I don't think it's like a Democrat issue. It's a, it's kind of like a both like bipartisan issue that we, they. I mean, everyone is so old school in Congress and everywhere else. They're just like stuck in the petty wars. I mean, they're still yeah. they still think we can like kill terrorists like in the rooms of Aleppo and all that. I mean, right. no, like the real threat. I mean, the Middle Eastern like groups are not going to pose like an actual national threat to the yeah. U.S. as much as like a real like powerful like government like China can pose to our economy and our like safety like individual safety i mean don't we believe in life liberty and pursuit of happiness what if i tell you there is like a literal threat to that yeah i mean you talk about them being old school i mean they still look i mean look i'm no fan of russia i mean russia's a horrible communist government i mean they're, they're completely evil authoritarian government but i mean our politicians talk about Russia as if it's, you know, 1982. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the, the Ronald Reagan e- evil empire, you know, <laughs> early, you know, Reagan's first term kind of language. And they and both parties still still, you know, view Russia that way. It's like, guys, China poses double the threat the Soviet Union ever did. I mean, it, they, they pose a bigger threat than the Soviet Union did in the 60s and 70s, let alone Russia now, whose economy is smaller than the economy of the state of Texas. You know what I mean? Like they pose absolutely no threat. They make crude oil and vodka that's about it i mean their economy is not competitive and and our politicians like you said they're all 90 years old and they don't understand how the internet works and and stuff like that so they 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 view russia as like our our, our biggest threat and competitor which is just madness at this point well i'm actually going to disagree with something that you said earlier uh about the fact that china poses like less of a threat than the soviet did back in the, the 70s and the 80s i don't i don't think so i think like the soviet union was actual threat then and the reason was because they actually were able to match us on so many levels they were going shoulder by shoulder with us at least on the military level like they, we have were stuck in the arms race with the soviet and I, that's something i'm warning against in my piece that we don't want to get into that situation with china if we keep giving them carrots if we keep uh you know allowing them to kind of take over economy slowly but surely we're going to be in another arms race with another government just like we were with the soviet soviet knew that they can absolutely pose a real threat they had nukes like right across our borders like like literally pointed at us that's the last thing i want to see happening with china you know right so that's the thing like I think Soviet was a real threat. Not anymore. I mean, yes, as you said, Russia is like no longer like that. Uh, but China is. China is getting there. I mean, I mean, we're still way ahead of them in so many ways. But if we keep ignoring this fact, I mean, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, let's talk about some stuff, some ridiculous nonsense happening <laughs> here stateside. Um, I want to talk about kind of the the left's boycotts of of Georgia and all this stuff. But like. I'm struggling to picture a scenario. This is my overview. I, I'm struggling to picture a scenario where we can avoid, like, complete economic balkanization. Okay, like, I don't know I don't know if the press and the left will let us avoid that. You know, like, they, these folks are really emboldened right now. They're, they're feeling invincible because that's what happens when, a, you know, when you win politically. You, you, you know, you puff out your chest and you think that you're, you know, you're never going to lose ever again. I, I mean, like, the, the press got Major League Baseball to boycott Georgia for absolute just for for shits and giggles it's like they just like they just felt like doing it I mean they they got MLB to boycott Georgia based on just complete fabrications just bald-faced lies lies made up out of thin air 
And that's powerful. <laughs> I mean, that that that's powerful. I mean, like that is real power. If you can convince half the country that showing an ID to vote is racist, <laughs> like that's these oh people are God. like. I, I keep waiting for the press to. You look at like polling numbers. Uh, on like the mainstream media and, and like support for the mainstream media is on, at its all time low and you know, nobody takes these people seriously. But I, I don't know. Like I keep waiting for trust in the, in the press <laughs> to fall apart, but they just got baseball to boycott Florida for no, just because, just to see if they could. <laughs> okay. So it's like, I don't think these people are going to stop because they're winning. You know, they're, they're, they're accomplishing their goals. So they're not going to back off now. How does this, how far does this go? Yeah, you know, like, I, are we gonna have two separate economies in this country? Like, it's I don't know. I I, I don't think anything's out of the realm of po- possibility at this point, unfortunately. Wow. Well, I mean, uh, I think yes, that's such a big issue that a lot of people have not been talking about or really thinking. in such a you know, I I, I totally it's like such a slippery slope when we get into this whole like world of discussion. As a libertarian, I believe at the end of the day, the market wins. And if you want to keep boycotts and if you want to like make such petty drama at the end of the day, you're losing customers and it's just going to hit your profits. And but sometimes then you can make this argument that, oh, well, you know what? It's just going to give them like some level of publicity. So, I mean, I just, personally just hold, hold that thought just a second. I, I totally agree that I mean typically the market always wins. I, I'm I totally understand that. But like what we're seeing is a conglomeration of the press, the state, and corporations. Like we're not we're not actually living in a in a free market capitalist society. Like we're in some weird Frankenstein's monster of 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 capitalism and, and corporatism and and you know it's. It, like you're right, but it's not that simple because it's not all these entities are like the the lines are blurring between the state and these corporations. I mean, they these they're subsidized by the state. They're working hand in hand with the state. The the at least the left uh, in in this country and the the major corporations their goals align, which is weird. And so it's like it's not quite as cut and dry. But sorry, sorry to cut you off. Keep going. No, I totally get it. Uh, and it's you brought a good point about like how the lines are blurring. I think this can be a wake up call for a lot of corporations and businesses that they should no longer be relying on the government because, you know, as much as you're get, getting like subsidies or help or whatever from the government means they control you and they can actually like cut it off and it will hurt you. However, if you're like totally independent from the government and doing your thing um, and you're not like in bed with a bunch of politicians and paying off like bunch of uh, members of Congress, then why, why are you worried? Like, what can they do to hurt you? Like you're making your money off of like real customers and you have, you have this like client base that you rely on. Let the politicians and the press, whatever, say whatever. At the end of the day, if the consumers are happy with your product, I think they're going to stay loyal. I mean, for just, just give you an example, like an, a regular, you know, like my dad is like, a normal voter, you know, he's a, he's an educated voter. Um, he's not going to stop drinking Coca-Cola because of that drama. You know, he, he doesn't care. Like he loves to drink and he wants to keep drinking it. Same thing with other things. Again, as I said, as a libertarian, I totally believe the market is going to win. And this is, I think it's, we're going to see, like, I feel like this has to like kind of implode upon itself. Like the whole relationship between the corporations and the government to realize that, okay, government can hurt them as much as they can benefit them. And I hope to see the day that these like the, the corporations just break up with the government and just do their thing. Um, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. It's just, 
I, maybe I, you can look at it's the silver lining it just shows people all the red flags you know if you get in, stuck in the partisan fight you you have to fight it and it's bad for your business man it's bad <laughs> i see i just i love your optimism i just Man, I don't know. I'm just so much more cynical than, than you are, I think. But it's like, I, I'm a libertarian. I hate this crap. I'm not a boycott guy. I don't like boycott. Like, I, I, I'm i in favor of boycotts if there's something truly remarkably evil happening. Like, I'm, I'm fine with, hey, boycott Chinese goods. They literally have somewhere between 1.5 million, 2.5 million Uyghur Muslims literally in slavery. They're, they're yes. literally enslaving somewhere around probably north of 2 million human beings right now in 2021. So if you want to boycott Chinese goods, awesome. that's cool. But like with the whole partisan, like, you know, boycott Disney for Gina Carano and then boycott whatever the, the company that makes like beans and whatever, like what, like I, I hate all that stuff, but it's like even the guys, the libertarians who, who typically try to deescalate this, the culture war stuff, guys like Mike Lee and Rand Paul are like, th- like over it. Rand Paul said yesterday that, uh, something along the lines. I'm not. It's not an exact quote, but something along the lines of, "Okay, you're gonna boycott us for no reason. We're gonna boycott you for no reason." Yeah. So it's like, but like, but man. So if like the last line of defense against <laughs> this like balkanization, for the lack of a better term, it would be like the libertarians, and even the libertarians are like, "Fine, if you're messing with me, we'll punch back." And it's like. So it's like, and this is where my brain goes. It's like, how far does it go? <laughs> yeah, like, and I so think it's, like, it's a good banks, thing. Banks. Like, are we, are, are Democrats and Republicans going to have different banks? Housing? Is it going to be like Belfast, Ireland? Uh, uh, no. Or there's like Protestant and Catholic neighborhoods? Is no. it going to be like that for Democrats and Republicans? I'm like, I'm just saying it is. A, I'm not saying that's going to happen tomorrow, but it's <laughs> it's scary. Like, it is a slippery slope. Yeah, it is a slippery slope. But, you know, as if are you a faithful libertarian? This is your litmus test. If you're a faithful libertarian and you believe this is absolute BS. And so the market is going to win. They're just going to keep fighting. But at the end of the day, they realize, uh oh, it's hurting us on both sides. So some someone has to back down. And uh, so, I, I mean, I personally see this as a way of just again like raising red flags against this whole like government and corporations like getting like really really intertwined um because at the end of the day it's just bad for business if your business is hurting then you're going to pay less taxes so it's bad for the government so um again i just feel like this is gonna keep going for a while and then it's just going to stop like implode again this is just my um you know like Psychic libertarianism. I, I, I'm opt, I'm optimist. I see this in a positive way. I feel like this is going to wake a lot of people up, and I can't wait to see it happen. <laughs> the thing is, like, I, I want to avoid this. I want to avoid this, this standoff between the right and the left economically. But also, like, the le- like conservatives can't back down. Like, you don't just get punched in the face over and over and say, okay, that's fine. I'll just do whatever you want. I mean, that's insane. And there's a lot of folks on the right. Like, these are important conversations. There's a lot of folks on the right, kind of like the establishment Republican types, who refuse to talk about this. Like, they, they just they won't talk about it. They, they look down on anybody who is concerned about, like, the left's, like, corporate kind of crusade they're on right now against Republicans. They, they're like, well, why don't you just stick to policy? It's like, look, man, I love policy. I love talking policy. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, th- these are important battles to fight like we can't just av- we can't put our stick our heads in the sand and avoid it like trust me like I- i'm sure we're gonna write a million pieces and i'll read a million pieces about how biden raising the corporate tax rate from 21 percent to 28 percent is a bad idea totally agree it's a bad idea it would destroy jobs but it's like look around like the culture is is falling apart <laughs> like we're it's like fraying at the edges so it's like we can't ignore this 
like as libertarians or conservatives or, or whoever, like we can't ignore this stuff. Like this stuff matters. We can't just be like, oh, well, why don't you focus on policies? Yeah, I, I, I get all that. This stuff is important too. Yeah, again, uh, I, I agree. And so just I'm just going to give you another example. Like, look at California. Uh, our government started giving, like, started waging a crusade against, like, freelancers and right. Uber and all these, like, businesses to, quote, like, help the consumers and help the freelancers. Guess what happened? Like, not that help they the only lost. Help the consumers. Like, they can't yes. even say that with a straight face. I mean, come I on. I know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I wrote a lot of pieces about this, and that was, like – like an extreme example of how this whole thing like culminated on a, like a large scale policy level that they like actually went against Uber and Lyft and a lot of freelancers with the excuse that, oh, we're just going to help you, blah, blah, blah. No. And what happened was that not that they lost the battle to uh, voters, but they also got really humiliated. And uh, there was a lot of bipartisan anger coming out when they actually see the like the rise in this prices and how harmful it was. It took a while, but at the end it happened. The market gave an answer and Uber and Lyft and all these companies and a lot of lawyers on every side like started suing. They started uh, going after because again, like it's just anti-consumer, it's anti-freedom, it's anti-free market. And I think it's like the same idea with all these like boycotts, like it's anti-free market, it's anti-consumer. And corporations can't live without consumers and government, like politicians can't stay in power without voters. I mean, believe it or not, like I personally believe, for example, if someone is working at Coca-Cola and if they hear like a politician in their district is like boycotting whatever Coca-Cola, they're not gonna vote for them later. And that person is going to lose their power. And if they don't, then Coca-Cola is going to lose their money and that person is going to get fired. You know, how this like little, little people are going to get crushed in this drama. So I think American people should really pay attention to this because it's just loss on each side. And someone has to like they have to either fire their politicians or they yeah. have to fire their CEOs and like public relations people at their companies. Um, and. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to hurt, like, you know, innocence in the middle, like in right. the consumers. Again, I personally believe at the end, consumers win, you know, we win, we the people. Um, I hope so. I, I hope so. Oh. And I, I'm always in favor of firing politicians. We could just make, just get rid of all of them, in, in my opinion. But I, the one, one snag <laughs> keeping the free market from working, or at least working as quickly as it usually would, is that these corporations they don't they fear the democrats when they're in power cuz democrats wield power when they're in power they don't fear like they didn't fear trump like these corporate they didn't fear they don't fear mitch mcconnell they don't fear republicans the same way they fear democrats because republicans they're not trying to tax the crap out of them they're not trying you know what i mean they're not trying to uh you know raise their their taxes and hurt them economically that's democrats, debatable well I'm, there are examples but i mean more generally Democrats don't have the, the same limiting governing principles that at least Republicans pretend to have sometimes. I, obviously, they, they I mean, they, they love spending money, too. They, they don't really have deeply held govern, governing principles. But the corporations just don't seem to fear the right the same way they fear the left. And it, even just from market-wise, like leftists boycott everything. <laughs> if they just don't like something, they boycott it conservatives don't like you don't see a lot of i mean occasionally but you don't see a lot of right-wing boycotts at least not to the same scale 
as the left wing boycott. So it's like they're not e- they're not being pushed evenly by both sides. They're just being harassed by one side more than the other, and that's why it's not. I, I don't. I think it's going to take a lot longer for the free market to speak because these companies are not under pressure equally from both sides, if that makes any sense. Uh, Well, I mean, there is a lot of nuances to make there. However, we got to pay attention to the fact that if the companies let's, let's assume that, okay, like it's all coming from the left. If the companies want to win the war against Anyone, they have to make allies regardless. Right. So that's why you have policy directors in literally every big corporation. They have a whole like policy arm. They have they spend billions of dollars in on K Street lobbyists to help them to either avoid some of these laws getting passed or getting stuff in their favor. And um, again, I've seen I've worked on the Hill. I've like seen a lot of things in D.C. and. It's not that they are like scared of one side or another. They're, they just want to make sure that they keep both sides under some level of control to um, at least work in their favor. Like if, uh, let's say, if there is a law going ar- uh, pass around around Congress to like, let's say, like tax Amazon like for 50%, let's say something like that. Right. I mean, th- Amazon can't just sit around or only like lobby Republicans. Oh, you guys are my friends. Like, let's help me. No, like they have to go and make friends with everyone because they need majority or to like oppose or support something. So it's like the corporations pay attention to everyone. It's not just that they are looking at one party versus another. They see this as a whole, like one thing. It's like government versus corporations versus Republicans versus uh, corporations and Democrats versus corporations and Republicans. Uh, So, I mean, harm can come from both sides and benefit can come from both sides. I mean, uh, you and I both believe that not every GOP member is really fiscally conservative and they actually want to cut taxes. Oh, yeah. Not not many of them. Yeah. I mean, even the Trump administration did a really great job at not cutting taxes on so many uh, corporations. So it's like for for corporations, I mean, they don't care who is in power. They just pay attention to details. Uh, And I think that's that's what makes difference for them is the detail that the, the devil is in the details right. uh, for them because i mean you see a bill passing around and there's so many details like just snuck into those bills that i mean even a lot of staffers don't even pay attention to for for members of congress however if you are a lobbyist or if you are a policy director at a cor- corporation you have to read through every single thing to make sure right. how that's going to affect your income because you're responsible for your you know your shell- shareholders uh so i mean i'm just gonna say this like i believe uh corporations and a lot of people like on on that side of the thing are way more into like paying attention to what's going on in politics than politicians themselves oh yeah i mean yes if <laughs> next time you know uh, any of these corporations are subpoenaed by congress and they have a subcommittee hearing about it um nothing can make that more apparent than watching the the difference in knowledge of the topics between the people working for these corporations and the politicians questioning them. Yep, uh, absolutely. It is clear as day. And also, I really appreciate your optimism here. You seem to have <laughs> a much cheerier view of what we're going to be looking at moving forward than I do. And I 100% wholeheartedly hope I'm wrong and hope you're right. So, <laughs> before uh, I let yes. you go, uh, Tamana, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, hopefully thank we can do it too. again soon. Where can everybody follow you online and read your stuff and keep in touch and all that good stuff? 
Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter. Um, so my Twitter handle is at Daytamina. So it's D-E-T-A-H-M-I-N-E-H. And also you can find my talent profile on young-voices.com. Just check out Young Voices. Check out all of our stuff. We have a great set of contributors who have a lot of amazing pieces about the topics that we just discussed. You can also find my profile and my portfolio on the website. I would love to connect with anyone. If you have any questions, feel free to DM me. My DMs are open. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for having me today and i'm really really excited uh to see what happens i hope i'm right <laughs> <laughs> me too everybody check out uh, young voices everybody follow tamina she's great that's all i got for today i'm brady leonard i'll be back on monday no gimmicks <laughs>